the EMS Garage is a production of emsradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, just search EMS Garage. You can find us on Twitter, at EMS Garage. Email us, emsgarage at gmail.com, or call us, 303-720-6001. The EMS Garage. Okay, I got dead. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the EMS Garage. I'm your host, Chris Montero, the geeky medic on all those websites. And uh, thanks for joining us again on Ustream. We're actually trying to do this every week. Kind of, boy, I'm getting better at it. I don't know really why it's actually working out. My MacBook died. I didn't, really, and that's why I haven't updated Twitter all week. Um, so I have a MacBook Pro that I'm working off of tonight, and I'm hoping that it's coming to you with with all of its splendid glory and everything else. So uh, thanks for joining us tonight, and we hope to get the podcast out in the normal time, Friday or Saturday. Uh, you know, one other thing I forgot to mention last week early in the podcast, I want to do it early tonight, is join us at EMS Expo, October, no, sorry, September 29th through the 2nd of October. We'll be in Dallas at the convention center. You can come by the booth and see us. We're going to be taping several podcasts. Um, watch our sites, Jamie Davis and I, for the times and location of where that podcast is going to be. But I think we're going to probably produce about eight hours of, of podcasts while we're out there. So I'm pretty excited about that. You'll also see us around there filming. If you're so inclined to come by, we've got some free giveaways. I hear... <clears throat> I hear we have some Monopoly games, some some of the very first EMS Monopoly games to give away. And we also have some T-shirts and some hats and some tchotchkes, as they are. And we'll be there. So join us at the Zoll Podcasting Booth on or as early as, as September 29th through October 2nd. And watch our websites, emsgarage.com or podmedic.com. Um, you can look for his website. Look for MedicCast.com. I, I never plug his show, so I should I should probably do that a little bit better. But uh, MedicCast.com for the sites where or the times where we'll be in the actual area. We have a forty by forty booth, so we're going to have a lot of space to come in and don't tell anybody. But there might be free Wi-Fi. Um, we hi- we hijack the uh, we hijack the the signal at uh, gems and I think we'll be able to do it again that's what happens when you turn geeks loose at an EMS conference so look out for that and uh, I know we're going to have a lot of fun um, ooh Ann Clowart's trying to call us so I'll, I'll add her in here in a second you know that's the fun part of trying to do a podcast and host it all at the same time is you get to do all those cool things so joining me first tonight is Mr. Tim Noonan hello sir maybe he's on Tim hello oh, are you there, there. Oh, I'm on Right on. How are you? I was just taking a sip of beverages and said that's like off. So fast. Gotcha. Well, thanks for having uh, us. I think your connection is a little hairy tonight, but try that again. You said you were taking a sip of a beverage, which I shall do. Yes, I was. 
Excellent. And Miss Ann Clowart, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, you sound great tonight. Well, I got one of those things that you're telling me about. Uh, the headset. Yes. Very good. Well, thanks for joining me. I can't, and hear, any I can't, you, you can't, I can't hear any sound coming out of the headset. Oh. I can hear you coming out of the computer. Ah, we'll work through those technical issues after the show, so I'll help you out with that. But thanks for coming on, uh, Mr. Brad Buck, who I won't uh, I won't give a hard time to, but, uh, all the way from Iowa. Is it is it cooling off there? Uh, yes, it's starting. Uh, it was still a little humid out today, but the temperature's starting to drop at night, so it's getting to be nice for a change. Right on. Well, thanks, Brad. Thanks for joining us tonight, Mr. Kyle David Bates. Hello, sir. Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm good. I am uh, hanging in there anyway. Can't wait for can't wait for Expo. I'm so excited. I booked my tickets this week, and I'm ready to go. I'm uh, and I apparently we have our hotel room. I'm I'm not going to give that away because we want it to be an undisclosed location, and we're also going to have a tweet up. Did you guys Did you guys hear about that? We're going to do a tweet up with the uh, EMS Blogs guys and some other people. So that'll be determined. I don't know what night it is yet, but uh, I hear there's free drinks from Medtronic or Physio, whoever they are today. And, oh, Physio, sorry, Physio has free drink tickets for us that night, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll let you know. Uh, Mr. Kelly Grayson, how are you, sir? Doctor. I almost called you. I should have called you doctor. He's not on. He's not there. Kelly Grayson, are you there? Apparently not. Well, Kelly is on the podcast. I heard him earlier, and I was giving him a hard time. Maybe I'll uh, try and dial him here in just a second. There we go. Ooh, it was his mic that was so loud. Well, uh, thank you guys for joining me tonight. Um, we wanted to talk about two articles. The first was talking about the evidence that pre-hospital... Oh, there he is. He's calling back. The evidence that maybe pre-hospital uh, endotracheal intubation is actually increasing, and our ability to do so is getting better. That was a article review by Dr. Wesley and the street medic. Uh, I can't remember his name. I think it's Mark on gems.com. Then we also have an EMS one article that Kelly Grayson wrote, and it's an article about um, nursing home RNs to be precise. I actually really enjoyed watch. I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. Wow. We are really losing a lot of people here. Hello. I'm, I'm back. Can you hear me? Can uh, you hear me, Chris? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Sweet. So, yeah. So we were going to talk about your article, but we wanted to say hi to you first. So hello. Howdy. Howdy. How y'all doing? I think everybody's good. Um, unfortunately, we lost a few people here, so I'm going to call them back here. Um, so what? Uh, so Kelly, do you want to tell us a little bit about what was the inspiration for the article on <clears throat> EMS-1? Um, I was I was reading comments on a Jim's Facebook post uh, about the uh, the convalescent home nurse in the UK who uh, was was prosecuted or or uh, whatever investigated by the NHS for refusing to initiate CPR on a on a choking victim uh, who was apneic and pulseless when they found her. Um, and as it turns out, you read in the article, the, the, the victim had a DNR uh, or had a living will uh, that specified do not resuscitate. Um, but 
I was shocked at the number of, of comments of uh, people who, number one, uh, left a comment but never read the article. Uh, and it took about 60 seconds to read. doesn't speak well for our attention span as a profession. Um, but um, all the, uh, you know, the... the you know the vitriol uh, directed at nursing home nurses, and you know I've I've met, met my share of, of real winners in the nursing homes as well. But um, <clears throat> I don't think they have any uh, appreciation for just how tough and thankless that job could be. So uh, I figured I'd, uh, I'd I'd pin a little screed uh, defending nursing home nurses. Well, and, and I've got I, I've well, got a dial. Pump. I know that was a little weird. I'm sorry okay. about that. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. it's kind of a rough okay. podcast, and I I think it's my old Mac. And quite I, quite honestly, ah. I'm sorry. Uh, so tell me a little bit about. Um, you said your mother because what I liked about the article is mm-hmm. you said your mom was a was a nurse that really cared about older people, and um, mm-hmm. and it was the Jesus on the lawn that really <laughs> uh, inspired yeah, her yeah, to come to work there. Because uh, my mother, uh, my mother. Uh, my, my Cub Scout troop used to love to come to to have uh, den meetings at my house because my mother taught them all sorts of new words to bring home. Uh, my mother had no internal sensor, so to hear her say that Jesus told her um, that she should be in a, a nursing home nurse was was quite a shock, but she believed it, and and uh, and she was a good one. My mom was a uh, a homemaker until she was in her mid fifties, early fifties, uh, and decided she had a high school education, and she decided she she wanted to, to go back to work and, and find a career somewhere. So she went to LPN school. Wow. She became an LPN through the uh, local technical college, uh, and indirectly, that's how I got involved. That's how I got kind of hooked on healthcare at EMS. I used to uh, play hooky from junior high school. Uh, and go to nursing class with my mom. And those nursing students used me as their free high-fidelity mannequin and guinea pig to practice assessments and vital signs and everything else on. And I'd, I'd hustle them on the CPR mannequins, betting them I could do, uh, do a better round of CPR without lighting up any of the, the buzzers than they could. Um, but mom graduated from the class. She was she was uh, one of the honor graduates in her class. Uh, back in the day when... When you didn't take, uh, when computer exams were, were unheard of and you went for a two day written exam, she made a perfect score on the written exam. Uh, 800 out of 800, which wow. to this day is one, only a handful of nurses to have ever done that in Louisiana. She worked as a nursing home nurse for years. And, and I remember <clears throat> um, in, throughout high school, she was just grueling. She worked a 3 to 11 shift. And she'd get there and work and be on her feet most of the day. And despite having been there for eight hours, she maybe got to see each patient for a grand total of ten minutes. Most of her time in, in that eight-hour shift was doing meditations, pushing her car down the hallway for 40 people, making up the med- medication tests as you get a reception uh, administering the meds, making sure they were taken, and then on to the next room. And by the time you got to the end of the hall, you had about an hour before it was time to start all over again. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a pretty thankless job, and and no wonder that that uh, nurses quite often don't know a whole lot about their patients, um, or uh, will call EMS at the at the drop of a hat uh, uh, before they get too bad. So you know, it's just. Um, I said, uh, knowing that and knowing what kind of a, what kind of, uh, 
experience my mother had working in the nursing homes. Um, I had an EMT class that was was uh, struggling for clinical time. Um, it was in July, so we had a, a brand new crop of, of uh, ER residents and a nurse uh, anesthetist class and and uh, another EMT class we were competing with for ER time, and we just I couldn't get anything scheduled. So I sent them all to uh, to work at the nursing home. And quite frankly, I think they got more patient contacts, far more patient contacts, and more meaningful direct patient care experience in the nursing home than they did in the emergency department. So, you know what's funny about that though, as I as I think through my time in an EMA, you know in an EMT course and a paramedic course, you know, I don't really know what I gained out of spending time in an ER other than just walking around watching people and occasionally getting in to do things. But, you know, if I could, and when I think about the future of our industry and how we're going to be interacting in these long-term care and chronic situations, I think that that's really where we need to go. And uh, I really applaud you for that because I think that uh, it makes a lot of sense. It's you know they got to assess, check vital signs, and and uh, and listen to lung sounds, and and interact with forty people a shift, um, and and do it twice a night. Um, and all of these people had chronic medical conditions, you know, and, and multiple chronic medical conditions. So I mean, they were what kind of you can't really put a value on assessing and uh and evaluating uh 40 train wrecks every night and and that's what they got uh some of them you know didn't require acute care but my my students noticed a few of them that actually had uh acute issues going on and were able to alert the nurse and and send them on to the uh, emergency department so uh, the nurses really loved the experience um and uh the emts got a chance to to uh, see just how tough it is to, to do the job of a, an LPN in a nursing home. Um, and as a result, I think they worked, with, worked a lot better with nursing home uh, personnel once they got certified. Right on. Do you, does anybody else have any thoughts on this type of experience, or have you ever had an experience like that when you, when you were either in EMT school or paramedic school where you had to... Uh, be a part of a nursing home and what do you think about Kelly's article and his assertion that maybe this is a better clinical experience I don't know how good a clinical experience it will be I know what Kelly says worked out for uh, his students but uh, you go to a different part of the country and the culture might be very different I think uh, about a month ago I was saying that we should regularly scheduled rotations for EMTs and uh, medic students in nursing homes so that they get a better idea of what the nurses are putting up with, why things are done the way they are, rather than going in there and saying, well, they don't know anything. Uh, Kelly's got a line in uh, his article about uh, putting down the nurses for oxygen management. He says, but do you realize how much a licensed practical nurse has taught about oxygen therapy? Well, after uh, a couple weeks ago, do you realize how much medics and uh, doctors and EMTs and any kind of nurses taught about oxygen therapy? That is actually true. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a totally different environment. 
when you're an EMT basic, um, realistically, what kind of what kind of experience or what kind of work are you going to be asked uh, or allowed to do in an emergency department? Basically, you're going to shadow a nurse around or a doctor if you're lucky, um, and you're going to go in and, and listen to histories and, and, and do a few little assessments yourself. But as far as clinical uh, medicine, um, actually treating anyone, you're, you're going to be allowed to do precious little. Um, so, you know, as far as honing the art of assessment and gathering a history uh, from people who are often very challenging to obtain a history from, um, I thought the nursing home was, was invaluable for that sort of thing. And it's uh, not just one thing I wanted to home. jump. Anytime we get up. Sure. Go ahead, Tim. Oh, let James say so. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to jump in and say, you know, I kind of came into this in the middle of it, and I don't know if this was said or not, but just by what was said about about nursing home nurses, you know, a, a lot of times in EMS we have this mentality of these nurses are, you know, pretty much the uh, the bottom of the barrel when it comes to nursing, and and it's unfortunate that we have that that, that we have that mentality because we have to understand and and. And like what was explained, you know, they have they, they don't have a whole lot of they have so many patients that they're actually under the direct care of that you know it, it it's hard for them to get to know every single patient 100%. And then also the problem is is that we're very fortunate in EMS that we have we are able to take liberties when it comes to patient care and things like that. I've talked to nurses and they say, you know, I can't. I, I can't wipe a bottom without an order. You know, I can't do anything without an order. There has to be a physician's order somewhere, otherwise I can't do it. And it's, it's it puts them in a very difficult spot to being highly trained medical professionals but not being allowed to do anything without the blessing of a physician. Yeah, this is, this is like Tim's, Tim's favorite subject, the absentee medical director, ten times worse. Uh, if you think that the absentee medical directors write absurdly stupid and restrictive protocols for us, um, you haven't experienced anything until you've seen the level of, of uh, nitpicky uh, that they, they deal with as nursing home nurses. You know, If you literally want to give a patient a Tylenol because they've got a 104-degree fever, you have to call and ask. Um, so, yeah, uh, doesn't really promote uh, initiative and, and independent thought very much. It just... Uh, it's not much sense in, in doing things on your own if you're going to get uh, chewed out for it. Uh, so it's, it's no wonder that quite often you, you don't see the best care because you know, um, they're not allowed to give the best care. And we have some EMS systems that copy that. Yeah, yeah, we do. Well, that's true. Kyle, how about as in the world of helicopters and even in your world what do you, what do you think about this idea oh i'm sorry i just got back from lunch they don't usually work this podcast and besides i just got back from vacation i'm sorry um oh i'm hanging up now we are so not plugging it's usually podcast. not your podcast yeah uh-huh. we're, we're hanging up yeah, on it's you usually now. not uh, Podcast usually. I'm hanging up on Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, well, typically in the aeromedical, we don't deal with 
nursing or convalescent homes, we generally deal with ERs or critical care units uh, with that. Um, from my experiences over the years from working BLS and ALS, um, 911 and air facility transfers, is you've got the good, you've got the bad um, on there. You know, I've had nurses that tell me just that. I've also had nurses that are absolutely phenomenal and, and help me out and, and give us all the information that we need. Uh, I think it comes down to respect uh, between both sides. Uh, and I think some of the, the, the reasons that we have or we feel that there is disrespect that we're receiving is pretty much the previous people that were at the, the, the nursing home or, or facility prior to you. Uh, you can go ahead and give great customer service, but if the person before you gave poor customer service or treated them badly, they're just going to treat you just the same because they don't know the difference between you know uh, EMTA and paramedic C. Uh, with that, so we really need to work uh, on a professional attitude with them, and they may not, you know, understand all the, all the comments. I, I joke before, I know sometimes are common uh, statements, but maybe that is, you know, that is what we're dealing with. And we smile, we we, we nod, and we we work to the best of our abilities with them. Well, that's true, uh, Brad. What about you? I definitely agree that uh, it seems sometimes the the thinking portion of it to be able to think on their own, make decisions on their own, that lacks. And and at times everyone is guilty of we hold them accountable. We're very well. It's the system, or it's the physician who's taking care of the patient, uh, who really wants to be hands off. I think at times, and they don't want to deal with it. So off to the emergency department the patient goes. For, like Kyle said, if you're a transport service, for a few hours later, you're sometimes returning that patient right back there. I unfortunately hear on a pretty regular basis, though, the I'm not familiar with this patient. I've never had this patient before. And there are times that is completely true. But then I think sometimes you get a staff member who's frustrated and you have a long-term resident and you know this staff member's been there 10 or 15 years and I don't find it possible that they've never treated them before. Well, and I think that that happens more often than not. Anne, how about you and some of your clinical experience and even the the services you help oversee? Maybe. I'm not sure Anne's still there. Sorry, she went to lunch. Well, She'll be back no, in the she actually said she had an ER patient she had to run to, which is funny. Uh, so anyway. Well, you how know, about now, Chris? Oh, there you are. There you are. Hello. Yes. Sorry. Thank you. I was trying to be cognizant of the mute button. So we have an EMT basic initial course that we run twice a year. And when those folks come into our hospitals to do their clinicals, they are paired up with a physician and with a nurse and with a tech of equivalent training so that they have an opportunity to see the care thinking and care plan development through all different levels of practitioners. But I do like the idea of a nursing home since a lot of the population of what we see does deal with either older patients or patients who are in various modes of rehabilitation. 
Well, and you know what, what I find interesting, and here's where Kelly's probably going to go off on a rant again, but, you know, most of the patients we encounter are not um, ALS. And I would and I, I would just take a guess that about 96% of the patients we see are true BLS or really don't need an, a, a true ALS invent, intervention. Now, I'm discounting the fact that some patients need morphine or fentanyl or something like that. I'm, di- I'm talking about the patients that really need a life-saving intervention that another provider can't, can't do. And so for 96% of the population, I think what you're doing is really appropriate because that's where the majority of where we're going to live for the next 5, 10, 15 years of your career really is. And if you can't get comfortable around people like that and you can't get comfortable around that type of patient, then you have no business being in this, doing this because it's really about people and patients that aren't necessarily the prettiest or the most glamorous call or the patient that you're sticking two chest tubes in and intubating. And, you know, those are, those are what, once every couple of year calls, once a career call, something like that. And, and really it's about caring for people. And if you can't care for people and you can't sit and talk to some, somebody in their bedroom, uh, in a nursing home for an hour and find out how they're doing and hold their hand and really just understand their needs, uh, then maybe you really shouldn't be a healthcare provider. But hey, that's me, and I'm sure Kelly has more to say on that. Did someone mention rant? Why would he disagree with that? I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna disagree. I think he's oh, just gonna I'm... rant more. Well, no, I'm, I'm not gonna rant more. Um, but. Uh, you know, I've said this in, in previous podcasts. Uh, we we're, we attract the wrong people in EMS. We we attract and try to attract the adrenaline junkies when um, very few of our calls actually produce any adrenaline. Um, I think we need to take a page from the nursing profession and adopt a, a much more holistic approach to patient care. Um, all too often, the EMS uh, looks at at patients. Um, as little more than, than their own very own high fidelity skills mannequin. It's something, it's not a, a whole person to them, it's something they practice uh, a cool and neat procedure on. Um, so, you know, I think we can, we can uh, learn a lot from the nurses in that regard uh, as far as our patient care goes. Um, and, you know, one of the, the the things inherent in that, uh, in all the, the nursing home uh, or nurse bashing in general, uh, you always, of course, see the, the uh, ignorant medics who say, I have as much education as any nurse. I can do all these kind of things that nurses can't do, as if you know, your skills were, were the sum total of your, of your education. Um, but uh, they, you know, we have this this bias in EMS somehow that that uh, unless it's an emergency procedure or it's uh, unless it's emergency acute care, uh, somehow it doesn't matter. Like like uh, long term care or palliative care or anything else is, is somehow beneath us, and I don't really get that because uh, very few of the things that we actually do in EMS are true emergencies. I, I agree completely with Kelly on that as far as very 
the, the smallest amount of, of what we're doing are the actual blood and guts, you know, adrenaline junkie sorts of sorts of calls. A majority of our calls, whether you are a 911 service, uh, transport service, et cetera, et cetera, are to the care facilities, or sometimes it's even to a home for uh, for an elderly person that needs to go to the ER or a hospice transfer or something of that nature. But to beat you to the punch, Chris, it, it all comes back to we need to completely change the way we are educated. We need to change that system. And the textbooks, there should be 50, 100, 200 pages, 300 pages in a paramedic book that specifically refers to this sort of care. Uh, that's my rant. Well, and I couldn't agree with you more that our that it needs to be more about education and less about training. And maybe some of that would be some of that would help solve uh, Kelly's idea that we recruit the wrong people. And it may also help him resolve this idea that uh, people don't necessarily want to go to nursing homes to get their training. And once we saw that that real need, maybe maybe that would help out. I, I don't know. I I could be wrong, but. Um, I think that it really revolves around the need for um, having an education system that's built around this and make ourselves a profession, not just a technical area where we can recruit the lowest common denominator. But topic for another night, I'm sure. You know, one of the things, there Two primary things that I just wanted to touch on. Uh, one was said, you know, is that you know we, we oftentimes recruit these people who are who are adrenaline junkies, and it also kind of ties into the lowest common denominator as well. It seems to be a lot of times that if they have a patch and a pulse, they're hireable, and you know there isn't really a whole lot of thought that's put into uh, you know what what type of people they are. But especially for me in the transfer industry, I see that a lot where people are saying, man, you know, all we do are, are nursing homes and dialysis runs. And it's like, yes, but is, you know, I realize you're not going code three everywhere, but you're still taking care of patients. You're still getting people where they need to go. And, I mean, it's it's not the, envi- the right environment for a lot of people. I mean, they, they, they want to turn on the lights every time they go to the hospital. <laughs> Yeah, and why is that? Why do why do why do people just want to turn on? I just don't understand why why I would see that as important in our industry to turn on the lights every time. I mean, it's shown time and time again that it's bad. Uh, wow! Look at reality TV. Look at reality TV. You've got people on there who are doing all sorts of stupid things on television, knowing they're going to be on television, and they're thinking it's cool because they're the center of attention for the time that that is happening. And it's not any different from throwing on the lights and racing someplace. And then when you get there, you've got to tell everybody that you saved a life or whatever. And one of the reasons uh, people call helicopters is, well, I don't really recognize that. What's not bad? What's stable? What's not stable? So they uh, call a helicopter for things where they don't need it, and they think, "Oh, that was such a big deal." The more experienced the medic gets, usually the less unstable patients or the fewer unstable patients they have, because 
they're able to recognize patients who are stable, patients who don't need to have all sorts of exotic things done to them. Hey, let's decompress this chest because it sounds like the rep sounds are a little fainter over here. Hey, stop screaming while I take this needle in your chest. You know, somebody's <laughs> able to scream while you're harboring them. They don't have attention to thorax. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, and Linus in our in our chat says that maybe maybe the problem is that we call it emergency medical services. His idea is MMS, and I'm going to change one word in there. It should be mobile medical services, and I really think that that's the future of or mobile healthcare services. Call it MHS, eh, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think or MHCS. I don't know if the C. I don't know if the C is a silent in the H because it ain't wrong. So I think that as we move forward as a, as an industry, we really need to look at and and continue this idea that we're mobile and we're healthcare. You can call it mobile emergency health. Well, not always should it be emergency because maybe that's part of the problem. We're, we are attracting the wrong people because of that. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the 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 you see the the same kind of bias uh, in uh, within EMS that we display toward uh, nursing home nurses. Sometimes uh, you, you talk to providers and not only systems, uh, and they almost always disparage uh, the the private transfer uh, EMTs as if somehow the the job they do is is less. Um, and, and, you know, if you want to split hairs, it may not strictly be EMS if you run a transfer service. Um, but there's one thing that those private, uh, uh, for-profit EMS uh, providers uh, have to learn to do, and that's customer service. Um, you know, when there are multiple uh, services in town competing for, for those nursing home transfers and so on and so forth, uh the ones that are going to succeed are the ones that, that take uh, are nicer to the patients and nicer to the staff, um, and that's one of the things. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to do well, uh, or if you're going to stick with with one of those um, in that type of job, you're going to have to learn uh, how to smile and, and deal with difficult people, um, much more so than, in my opinion, than if you worked in a nine one one only taxpayer funded system where. Um, you can you can turf the the calls you don't want off to the privates. Uh, if you work for a private uh, for profit provider, you're going to have to please the people that you you uh, that call you uh, or they're going to call the next guy. So Maybe and stuff. I thought we shocked Sicily. We don't do that. I saw that on TV. Oh, <laughs> uh, we don't. We 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 shock Sicily all the time. Okay, awesome, What's wrong awesome. With that? My motto is always been. When you see a rhythm you don't recognize, shock it even when you shock do. It you do. That, that's right. That's exactly right. I love that. That's, well, that's a good system. That's the easiest algorithm. I like that algorithm. And you, I love the and fact you, that Tim pointed out that we have all these whiny rich kids that have their own uh, reality shows, yet we are having all sorts of difficulty at getting our reality show public on the air. Well, I could be whinier. Would that help? No, you're you're good just the way you are, Chris. Okay, perfect. Think, All right, just I think what it. we need, I think what we lack are, are catchphrases and, and cool names. Um, well, Chris, Chris could be like the situation. Um, um, I don't know, Tim. You're the closest to Jersey. You could be Snooky. Uh, oh, Snookums. 
can call him Schnuckums. <laughs> Hello, Schnuckums. How are you? I just need you, long you know, to do that. You know, we have had um, a few reality shows that have tried to make it in the uh, in the EMS industry. I remember there was one that came on Discovery Health uh, called Paramedics. I thought was I thought was pretty good. And then there was one which was it wasn't a reality show. It was a it was obviously it was a it was a drama slash soap. But I thought they did a decent job. It was called Trauma, and unfortunately it got canceled within its first season. But at least it brought some level of exposure to what we do. I guess what was most painful for me about watching that show is um, I did try and I did try faithfully to watch it, um, but. For me, it was like watching work. It's like, ugh, it was boring. I guess it's like cops watching cops. It's like, what's the point? It's true. And, and all you can see are the technical uh, inaccuracies and, <laughs> and, and can't, can't enjoy the story. And, and it did. It, it drove me nuts, too. I couldn't stand trauma um, just for that. I, I couldn't turn off that part of me that goes, no, there's no way you would do that. The whole premise of the show: helicopter, helicopter oh. in San Francisco. Wow. That was okay, that was that was, that was strike one, and it never made up for it. Oh come I'm on! You didn't, you didn't like it when the vet stole the helicopter and was flying around the city. That was hilarious. Yeah, they're chasing them around the city. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. It's just like one of our patients stealing an ambulance. It's so easy to drive those helicopters. Hey, are that- easy. Well, you know, it's funny because we actually did have a patient steal a 911 ambulance from our fair city, and it actually got spike stripped in a neighboring county to stop it. Nice. And and that's a true story. That did happen. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's, uh, that's, the that's good. The helicopter's easy to fly. The helicopter's easy to get up off the ground and into the air. It's actually landing, and I think that's the big difficult part. Well, Actually, landing is the easy part because that's always certain. Doesn't matter how easy. Doesn't always go that's right, but you will yeah, always all, land. Yeah, all landing is easy. Some are, you'll land some eventually. Are <laughs> yeah, that's what every pilot told me. Takeoffs were optional, landings were certain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, leave it to the pilots to be the uh, sayers of doom. Awesome. And you wonder why I'm on the ground. <laughs> if we had a reality series that, that highlighted to me what EMS is, uh, you know, the um, paramedics and the, and the Discovery uh, uh, series uh, on, on EMS, um, they always seem to, to uh, focus on the drama and the calls. And I'm supposed to, to the... Uh, to the general public, that's that's the most attractive thing about EMS. But I think uh, you know if it showed more of the the stuff around the station and the interaction between the the medics and the, and the ER staff and how we clown around when we're when we're not on calls. I would watch something like that. That would be entertaining to me. Um, I don't know if it would be. I'm weird. <laughs> I don't know if it would be entertaining to the rest of the country. You know, I think that one of the most accurate medical shows on television is Scrubs. Love Scrubs. It's, Love it. it Love because yeah, yeah. because there is some. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's over the top, but interaction wise, and and those characters. There's somebody like that, and damn near, I can name every character. And there's, there's, I know a, a real nurse or medic or doctor just like that <laughs> in real life. The, um, the only problem I had with Scrubs was the um, musicals. Don't really see those in yeah. life. Don't really see those in real life. 
You don't you don't <laughs> break out in song in the middle uh, of a occasionally. occasionally. I've got coworkers who do that. Let, let's let's go really obscure for a minute. Did anyone ever watch? There was a movie that came out. I don't remember. It was in the early nineties, if I remember right. It was called Bringing Out the Dead. Did oh, anyone catch that I movie? Oh, yeah. That movie with Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Yes. It was actually you know, based, based on a book. Well, to be honest, I, I really liked it, and the only reason that I liked it was because you know when when I saw the medic beating the ambulance with a bat. I have been in situations where I have just wanted to do that. And, you know, you, you see the scene where they're walking into the ER and the nurse is like, don't even stop. Just keep on moving. I mean, I've seen that so many times and things like that. And it just, I was like, yeah, I can relate to that part, you know. <laughs> I can relate to those characters. Noel the crazy, we got a guy here in our town that we call um, Pepper, and he's just like him. I mean, I can relate to those characters. Yeah, the Paul's back. Shit. Yeah, that that I you know the James the the thing I will tell you is I did agree with that show in one sim I did agree with the point of beating up your ambulance because man there have been times I just wanted to do that so bad or just something that didn't work on a call just take a baseball bat to it but other than that I thought the I thought the premise of the movie really stunk it made us look all like uh, strung out druggies and I just didn't like the way it portrayed us. Person. Oh, oh! I, I don't like the way it portrayed us either. But I think, I, I think to the general public, I didn't, I didn't like the way the movie presented us to the general public. But looking at it as someone from the inside, I, you know, it, it kind of, if you take the drug part out of it, it really, to me, it portrayed a lot of the inner feelings that revolved around EMS. Things like. Um, Things, things like you know, uh, when they were talking about you know which hospital to go to, well, which is the you know which is the the worst of the two, and we'll would choose you know we'll choose the, the other one, and, and things like that. I mean, uh, a lot there's things that we never things that in the industry we never actually said, but it was going through our heads a lot. Or you know, you got the it's just, it's just oh, we don't have a bed for him, so we we'll just stick him out in the hallway if we bring him in, and it's like okay, yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's just. For me, from someone on the inside, it, it it brought up a lot of emotions that I had felt for a long time that I never really did I that I that I never verbalized, but you know there it was on screen. Uh, but yeah, I agree. It didn't paint us in a very good light on the on the silver screen. But I think, uh, like I said, for for people that are in the industry, I thought it was I thought it was kind of comical in a way, and I thought it it brought up a lot of deeply rooted feelings that at least I personally had when I was taking care of patients and transporting, you know, especially the guy who's stinky and, you know, we, he, they call every morning at the same time, you know, to take them to the hospital and things like that. I mean, I, you know, I could relate to those type of things. You know, do we not like it because it was too close to home? Uh, well, there might be. Some I've stuff. seen some of that stuff. I don't say I've been part of some of that stuff, but I've seen some of that stuff. Well, Joe Connolly, the medic who wrote it, was in New York City, a place where it's very busy. You end up dealing with a lot of unstable patients, and you unfortunately have more than you would like who die on you. And he started you know, having problems over one patient who he felt he should have been able to save. I don't know uh, whether the author really had this or if it was just what he described as the character having and how that 
started ruining his life. And he used the term grief mop, which uh, Kelly's used in his blog. And it is something that I think is an important concept for EMS. We get into it and we just get hit with so much grief from so many people. You tell somebody that their child is dead. How do you deal with that? You're witnessing the worst moment of this family's life, and then you have to walk away and go to another patient. You're still on the job. You're still having to act like the next patient is just another patient, not somebody who you you don't even want to see right now because you just want to be by yourself. And showing how that can be so destructive and that's important there was another movie came out at the same time that made bringing down the dead look cheerful and that was called broken vessels which uh was a hilarious movie but that's actually about drug addiction well and you know but is it is it way we really kind of got off topic here because I really wanted to talk about the study um, of increased proficiency in pre-hospital endotracheal intubation. Um, here's a hint. Apparently it's better. That's all I know. Okay. Next, so let's keep on this topic. Um, so why uh, do we have a, do you think we have a problem in our industry of, you know, let's, let's stay on this track a little bit of people that abuse narcotics or is it few and far between? or abuse or whatever? I don't think that we we have any more so than the other healthcare professions. What about um, the public what about the public safety sector though, in general? Everybody well, drinks. Well, substance abuse rates and divorce and suicide and everything else are, are much higher among the uh, public safety professions, fire uh, fire rescue, police and EMS than than in the uh, than the average uh, American, um, it is, you know, by its nature, a much more stressful job, and we're not uh, the best at dealing with it sometimes. Um, but, but why uh, is that? Is it because we don't want to talk about our feelings? We don't want to talk about the call. I mean, what what in what enables us, or what doesn't enable us to deal with some of these things? Say so. Uh, a lot of incidents, stress debriefing, it causes it. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't um, going to go there, but anyway, go ahead. That's a good point, Tim. You know, um, I think one of the things, especially in the EMS side, is is that when it comes to stress, we just seem to get it pounded on us. You know, we can have a shift where we have bad call after bad call, and for most people, that they have some stressful stuff happen, and they have a little buffer where they can kind of where they can kind of come down off of that. But sometimes for us, we don't get that opportunity. We'll get hit repeatedly with bad stuff, and it just continues to pile up. Um, I did want to mention about CISD, though. I think the personally, this is a personal opinion. I think it's one of the most useless things on the face of the planet, and I've had to attend two of them and hope I never have to do one again. But that's my opinion on that. Well, there's people out there no who say that it works, but I, I don't disagree with you at all, and I don't think Tim does either. I went to a total point at research that shows that people do worse with schism than they do without it. Wow. I've I've been a uh, certified debriefer. <laughs> um, 
Hey, and keep only, your briefs on. Then. Yeah, keep your and, briefs only, yourself. and only participated in, in just a few, but but I have also been through uh, a debriefing when my ex-partner was killed in an ambulance accident, and we responded to uh, to that call. And it helped some of us, and others it didn't help at all. And, and I think where systems go wrong is that they place too much emphasis on the CISM, and, and they don't make it an option. They don't acknowledge that people have... Individuals have their own way of coping with things. Some people do not like to participate in a formal debriefing. Um, I think you'd be much better off uh, abandoning the formal debriefing route and going to just educating your your, uh, people about peer support and and looking for signs of of stress and and, and just being there for your your brothers and your mess. Me, you know, to beat off stress, I go out and... and, uh, play with projectile weapons. Oh, I thought you were going to say, <laughs> you killed Bambi. For- <laughs> no, I, didn't kill Bambi. I didn't kill Bambi yet. <laughs> oh, I, I killed Bambi. That's coming up in a couple of months for me. I was going to say, yeah, yeah that's about, it's almost that Parker. season. It is the season to kill Bambi. Go out and use high-power weapons to relieve stress. I absolutely love it. That's exactly, I, I spent, uh, a week ago, I spent time shooting prairie dogs at, at obscene ranges and, and shooting all sorts of uh, projectile weapons, including a, a Barrett fifty caliber uh, sniper rifle. It was great. Were you giggling on the a whole prairie time? Dog? Giggling fiendishly. No, not at <laughs> not a prairie a dog. Prairie I, was, dog? I, I was using something very small for shooting prairie dogs. But we did have a, a guy with us who had a sniper rifle who managed to hit a prairie dog at 870 yards. Whoa. That's and, pretty impressive. Wow, with, impressive. With an M4A-308 sniper rifle. What is left on my of side. a? Yeah, me too. What is left of a prairie dog after it gets hit with a fifty caliber round? I just got to know. Uh, just a big red mist and uh, <laughs> uh, and a little bit of fur. But, but uh, man, prairie just, dog. What's left of almost anything that gets hit with a fifty cal round? Yeah, that's yeah. Well, that's true. Well, so staying on this topic, just a little bit longer, not that I want to dwell on anybody's feelings at all. Uh, what, um, so what's the answer? I mean, how do we, is it because we need, um, yeah, as, and as Kyle says in the chat, uh, please send your uh, comments to PETA, care of PETA.org, P-E-T-A, for the follow, for the previous comments, because I really don't PETA. care. PETA. Nobody, nobody, PETA People eating tasty animals. Mm, or, or PETA. Nobody euthanizes more animals than we do. <laughs> anyway. Which is, sorry. Which is true. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I want to get back to <sighs> the education. So is it maybe our education system that's not weeding out the appropriate people? Is it not preparing us? I mean, what is the reason why? Or something else? Well, no, no, no. Just our ability to deal with our, our, our issues as providers. Do you well, think- how do you prepare somebody to deal with the emotional content of the bad calls that we have. You can have somebody who goes for years without dealing with anything really bad, just uh, luck of the draw, and you can have somebody else on their first call dealing with something. Uh, one of the guys I knew in California, his uh paramedic street time he ended up going to the stockton schoolyard shooting he said i couldn't do it after that i'm just going to be a dispatcher 
I cannot deal with that again. If I had been more prepared, knew a little bit more about what to do with kids, I might have been okay, but I was too new. I just stood there deer in the headlights, and I was making things worse. Well, see, I, I think... Prepare. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's a common thing that we run into, especially, Tim, when you start talking about kids. And we actually... Just uh, I'll plug it here if you don't mind, Chris. But we actually just talked oh, about mind. this. I'm going I'm to bleep that out. I'm going to. On the it. first few moments. dot com, we actually talked about that over there. But I mean, you know, the one thing is, is you've got to, you know, we actually had a guy in from Critical Instance Stress. We talked about that. We kind of debated it. We're going to get more in depth into that. But you know, I think you you have to to a point depersonalize everything. Um, especially as you're doing it, and you're not looking at, at Billy or Sally or, or, or um, Bobby on the ground. You're looking at a, a seven-year-old male with, with a mortal wound. You're looking at an eight-year-old male, uh, a male with um, a fractured femur, a, a ten-year-old female who, who is bleeding and, and doesn't have an airway. And that's how you have to look at it, and, and you've got to make those tough decisions. When we come to kids, we want to go ahead and, and put them at, at a, a, a higher level that we do regular folks, we panic, and, and, and there's a lot of reasons we can get into why that is. But, you know, you, you've got to depersonalize that, at least in, in the beginning. And, and when it comes into handling the call afterwards, you know, everyone's going to handle it differently. So for some people, you know, the CISM uh, philosophy and theories, it works. Some people, it doesn't, uh, you know, with that. And, and some people will look at the way, you know, people handle it as maybe that's not the best way. And I'm coming in as a devil's advocate, maybe, you know, going out and, and shooting small, wood, you know, furry woodland creatures is not really the best uh, treatment to, to handle something like that in view of other people. So we, we have to do what's, what's right for us. Um, in the whole process for it, and I think you know we have to learn about how we handle these stresses. I think you're right. You know, you know, education is, is the key, but then how do you teach somebody about this? And I think that's kind of the trick. Well, the Chris, teacher, something I don't think I don't think it's necess- Brad. I'm gonna let you go ahead in a second, but do you think it's? I don't necessarily think it's about teaching them about every scenario they're gonna hit, but it's about teaching them how to deal with it. Yeah, I think that's definitely the key. Is you know, the, you know, just just like how we talk to people about, you know, um, Dabda and the various stages of grief and things you're going to go through, and, and you go through similar things like that. And and you know, I think sometimes it's taboo, especially you know, in the in various services, is that you're not supposed to show weakness, crying, being upset. That's a sign of weakness, and oh, you can't handle it. And maybe that's really not the way to go. No, it's. I, I frequently say, and you know, I, I use this line in, in my lectures uh, that uh, joy and pain are flip sides of the same coin. And if you if you are successful at inoculating yourself against one, you deny yourself the capacity to feel the other. Um, you got to take the good with the bad, and you, you can't if you're going to get really jazzed about. Uh, the good calls, delivering a baby, a save, uh, whatever, um, you're just going to have to understand that there are going to be bad ones uh, and deal with them. You, uh, a medic that, that doesn't feel stress or, uh, or doesn't feel pain or remorse is a medic that doesn't feel. I really don't want that kind of guy working on it. Mm. Great. In my opinion. But I, but I could be totally full of crap. As long as you're not shooting them, I think we're okay. <laughs> this is true. I forget who wrote it, but uh, I think it was one of the GEMS authors maybe 10 years ago wrote about having one of his coworkers as a patient 
and he said the co-worker afterwards you know when you realized I was sick it was like somebody flipped a switch and you just put your business face on and all of a sudden you weren't my co-worker and maybe that's what we need to do during the call is just switch ourselves off a little bit switch just the thinking part on but not so much the feeling part well, and that's a good point because I always tell everybody I I have my game face on when when it comes yeah. to calls and and it's time to turn it on and you have to know when to when to be you and when to be that person that is the caring compassionate healthcare provider that is only concerned about that that person at that time and and it's game time and uh, I don't think it's any different than a professional athlete or anything else like that. Yeah. We all have that game face, but sometimes it, it, it works against us. Now, I, I had a, a co-worker um, uh, and, and good friend that, that was having chest pain one day, and, and I put an EKG on her, and um, I, uh, she said, I, I didn't realize how serious it was until I, I saw your reaction. And I, I pride myself on having no reaction, you know. And um, she said, "You just you put on your paramedic face, and when you put on your paramedic face, I knew it was bad." I said, "Okay." Didn't know I had a, a paramedic face. She said, "Well, nobody else can, you know, but the people that know you know when you you put your game face on." So, um, you know, the people that know you well can see it. And that, that that's very true. I know that my family tells me the same thing. They know when I'm going out on a call, and they know when I'm serious because that's I just turn, I just change. It's it's just time to and whether you it's don't a even need mechanism. a phone booth. <laughs> I don't even need a phone book. What? You don't even need a phone booth to do it in. Well, that's true. I do have Da-da! no capes. No capes. No capes. EMS garage advocating multiple personality disorder. <laughs> By day, Chris Montera. By night, Frodo, the super EMS hobbit. <laughs> okay, I'm hanging up on you now, too. <laughs> I do have the power. You know, in, in, in reference to the earlier discussion on scrubs and the music, I, I think we should start to move forward with the idea of, of Paramedic the Musical. And you can wear a cape, Chris. Mm, no, did you ever see The Incredibles? Oh, uh, yes. yes. Okay. In there, the lady said no capes. So I'm going with that. Apparently, that's the 2000s thing to do. And no caps. No caps. <laughs> do you remember the guy when he was getting and he went into the little engine? 1942. Super blah, blah, blah. I can't, I can't remember all the lines, but it was really so, You sound like you're, you're plotting revenge against Moose and Squirrel. Excellent. I'd like to do this <laughs> against Moose and Squirrel. <laughs> hey, did you? Oh, sorry. Uh, one last uh, funny story about the whole day. Uh, child in Colorado, and maybe it's not funny, but it's kind of sad. Child in Colorado gets trampled and run over by a female moose today and gets flown to a local hospital. Seriously, that happened. You can Google it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> the child or the moose got flown? Uh, that was, they didn't really say on the news. They just said, they just said. I'm assuming the child. They probably flew both two separate air units. Ooh, good point. Yes. <laughs> it was a two rotor scene. <laughs> oh, oh no. Oh, Let's wow. not even go there. 
let's not even go there. Oh, wow. Okay, here we go. Well, thank you guys very much for joining us tonight on the EMS Garage. Um, I think we lost Anne Clowart. Clowart? 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 I never know how to exactly say her name. Um, I think she had to go to the emergency room and deal with something there. Um, Kyle's pissed at me because we're doing everything else that he does on firstfewmoments.com. Um, firstfewmoments.com. Also a member of the EMS Radio Network. Thank you, Kyle, very much. Um, so, Brad Buck, where can people find you? Uh, I am on Facebook. Uh, you can search for my name. I am on Twitter. 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 Twitter at cfmedic33. Uh, and I will be hanging out with you guys at Expo. Cool. Right on. Well, I can't wait to see you there, Brad. Uh, James, uh, are you coming to Expo, or is the baby uh, damp- putting a damper on your plans? Uh, the baby is definitely dampering things, but I haven't completely ruled it out yet. Uh, right now, the wife's on maternity leave, so I need to grab as much work as I can. Uh, but I'm going to try to make it if I can. But I'm not going to commit to it because I don't know how that's going to fall. Right on. Uh, Kelly Grayson, where can people find you? Uh, at Ambo Driver on Twitter. Uh, AmboDriverFiles.com is the blog. Uh, EMS One column is uh, um, the Ambulance Driver's Perspective. And I do a uh, podcast with Ron Davis called Confessions of an EMS Newbie. EMSNewbie.com. I know. I want to get that guy on my podcast, but he won't. He uh, well, still... uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna twist him by the arm, and um, we'll we'll get on with you and Jamie, and and yes. uh, and do all that. So he he is pretty funny guy. So I I want to get him on. He uh, is. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It sounds sounds like he is a little bit. He is. He's a, he but, is. He, but he's a little. He's he's a straight guy. On well, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I'm the comic relief. He's a straight guy. You are. But, uh, you are always the comic relief, Kelly. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Kyle David Bates, who I will beat in darts, if you want to see the repeat of the of the match of the century, the century. No, I'm not pissed. All right, I know you're not. I know you're not. All right, so oh. where can people find you? Well, you can find me over at firstfewmoments.com with our podcast over there. Uh, you can find me at Image Medic on Twitter, KyleDavidBates.com. And next week, we, Greg Freeze and myself will be at Schwalmberg, Illinois, for the National Association of EMS Educators Conference, doing a workshop and a couple of breakout sessions. So stop in and see us there. And then an expo at the end of the month. Namzi, would you guys, are you guys going to do an Educast from there? I don't know. All right, we'll look up my training captain, Kelly. She's Lombardi. in my class. Kelly Lombardi's in your class? Yeah, she's actually taking my workshop. Oh, okay. She was, maybe that was the one she was like, I can't believe what they're making me do. She was in her office today just like, do you have this? Can you make me do uh, So that was pretty funny. <laughs> I will tell her that you were in her class. That's great. That's good to know. Um, make sure that you single her out a lot. And I won't, maybe I won't tell her because I know she doesn't listen to the podcast. So maybe you just like single her out a lot and just be like, man, what, where do you come from? Because... I, you know, and just give her a lot of give her give her a lot of grief. I think she'll enjoy that. Oh, we'll work on that. All right, right on, uh, Mr. Tim Noonan. Where can people find you? Uh, Roguemedic.com. Uh, Paramedicine 101 is probably going to be losing its blog spot, and uh, just be Paramedicine101.com. And uh, here, there, and everywhere, I contribute to a bunch of places. 
You coming to Expo too or no? No. Uh, but it was so much fun to see you at EMS today. For all of what, what was it? Two minutes? <laughs> two or three minutes? I I was like, wow, hey, how you doing? And we kind of we were passing ships in the night, but it was still nice to see you. Uh, because you're such you're so well hidden in the world. <laughs> Oh, right on. Well, I am Chris Monter, the Geeky Medic. You can find me on all the social media sites, Geeky Medic, on Twitter, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. Not even, Maybe on YouTube. I don't think so. Um, but also, don't forget to join us at EMS Expo, September 28th-ish through October 2nd. You'll find us there at the Zoll podcasting booth. And hopefully, if we can find a sponsor... We'll have a social media lounge where you can come and sit your laptop down or iPad or iPhone or whatever you want to bring and uh, Motorola Droid and blog right from our podcast studio. Um, we're hoping to find a, po- a sponsor for that. If you want to sponsor, email me, emsgarage at gmail.com. And uh, it's not cheap. So, But we will... We will separate it over several people, so if you want to do it, let us know. Um, so that's the Zoll Podcasting booth at EMS Expo. We're really happy to be there. Um, it's with their generous support that they have really allowed us to go and are paying our way, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, we'll also be doing some videos, emsexpo.net. Um, if you're typing it in at work, um, make sure people understand that it's EMS capitalized and then Expo because it looks really bad when you put it all together and people are like, why are you going to that site? So <laughs> EMSExpo.net. And I promise you that it is clean. And uh, you can see some of the things that Carissa and I did last year. And you'll also see some of the uh, the videos that Ted produced for us. We're hoping to get Ted out there again. And we're going to have Chris Eldridge there shooting video and editing video while we're on site. So we thank you guys very much for joining us. Join us next time when we talk more about issues that concern you in EMS. Have a great week.